0: Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 664.
1: Your work is going to fill a large part of your life, and the only way to be truly satisfied is to do what you believe is great work, and the only way to do great work is to love what you do.
0: This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah! I'll never worry again about having a dead battery with my NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in my glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that'll jumpstart a dead battery in my car, boat, truck, or RV. The Genius Boost features built-in spark-proof technology and reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart any of my vehicles. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are built from solid copper for maximum conductivity. There's a built-in ultrabike dual LED flashlight with seven modes including an SOS and emergency strobe. I use my Genius Boost jumpstarter to charge my phone, tablet, and laptop while I'm on the road or if the power goes out in my home. The unit itself is easily rechargeable in my vehicle. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, the battery car source since 1914. I've got one in each of my vehicles. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Josh Rayom. Hey, Josh, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride?
1: Yes, sir. I am ready. I'm, uh, I'm not used to buckling up for a podcast. It's usually in a race car, but uh, we'll be good to go here.
0: That's okay. I'll, I promise to keep us between the guardrails here as we go around the track right today. On.
1: Josh Rayome
0: can be described as unique, versatile, and experienced. He was born in California to Canadian parents, but Josh was raised in Africa, and he's race cars around the globe. Today, Josh lives in North Carolina. He's often described as the African squirrel. I can't wait to hear a little bit more about that. He's a 2012 graduate of the University of Victoria, and he has a mechanical engineering degree, which he has put to good use as an engineer in the cars that he races. He runs the NASCAR Xfinity Series for RSS Racing. And yes, Josh works as the team engineer during the week, and he drives the car on the weekends as the race car driver. Josh is part of NASCAR's Next Generation Equal Parts Driver and Engineer. Very, very cool. So, Josh, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a brief moment to share just a little bit more about your racing career and, of course, your passion for driving cars and designing cars?
1: Right on. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me on. You're welcome. So I guess it starts uh, for me. I've been racing for 20 years now, I guess, because I wow. got into a go-kart when I was six, and I'm now 26. It's been quite the journey over the years, but from a young age, I developed a passion to be a race car driver, and uh, I guess I've spent about the last 15 years or so, you know, pursuing that very hard. And my engineering degree brought me to North Carolina and into the the NASCAR world, and that's been a lot of fun. And I can't remember if there's a time when I was younger where I was like, "This is what I want to do." It just was sort of always there. So yeah, it's uh, it's been a journey. It's been a fun experience. So.
0: Well, it's very cool, and that's why I wanted to have you on the show, because a lot of drivers are just that, they're the driver. They jump in the car, they take the car around the track, they come back, report what's going on, but the fact that you're involved in the engineering side and the driving side, is that somewhat unique in the racing industry these days, or are we starting to see more and more people do that?
1: For sure, it's very unique, uh, you know, I'm sort of one of a kind, if you will. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Sprint Cup Series, you've got Ryan Newman, who's uh, got an engineering degree, but for the most part, uh, it's basically him and me. If I can even be compared to him, he's pretty good. But uh it's interesting, right, because at a young age and wanting to be involved in motorsports as a driver, obviously it costs a lot of money. So I kind of reached this crossroads in my career where I had friends a lot of times that I was – you know, competing against and, and winning against, mm-hmm. and they were moving up in the ranks, and I wasn't able to, you know, keep moving up just because of the financial barriers. Mm. So there came this point where it was, well, how can I make myself unique and different? How can I give myself value if I don't have this dollar um, and big corporate sponsors behind me? And uh, and that was engineering. So you know that worked really well and has opened a lot of doors for me, and has uh, you know given me a great appreciation and and love for for the sport, and and I think a really deep understanding of the cars, which I think has helped me along the way.
0: Absolutely. I think this is a really inspirational and cool pivot that you've taken here, that
1: you took one talent,
0: your engineering side and your driving side, and combined the two. And I hope for some listeners out there that are trying to figure out a way to get into racing, and yeah, they look at that huge, steep slope of cost, which always comes to play. I've had dozens of racers on the show and they always say it's the money factor that's such a challenge. If you don't come from a wealthy family or you have somebody behind you, a benefactor of some type that can write really huge checks, it is a tough profession to be involved with. So I think it's fantastic. Kudos to you for what you've done. And as we continue on your journey, I always like to start by asking my guests for a success quote or some kind of mantra. This is some kind of a A saying that's been instrumental in forming your success in life. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? So, Josh, take the wheel.
1: Right on. Well, I I actually have two for you that I'd like to share. Cool. The first one from Steve Jobs, the founder of Apple, in a commencement speech said, Your work is going to fill a large part of your life, and the only way to be truly satisfied is to do what you believe is great work, and the only way to do great work is to love what you do. That is so true, and i think the other part to that not getting into the whole speech but the other part to that is sometimes life's going to throw a brick at you or you're going to you're going to have a stumbling block and the only way that you can pick yourself up sometimes is to really truly love what you do yeah. and um i think there's there's a lot of wisdom in that
0: oh yes yeah i love that commencement speech i've watched that many times and i hear that over and over from my guests here is why they've gotten into the field they've gotten into, which is cars. All of us listening to cars out yeah, here and in the car world, that is our passion. So, uh, yeah, he definitely hit the nail on the head with that one.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: You said there was a second one.
1: Yeah, I've got a second one, too. So uh, my dad told me from when I was very, very young, he always told me, referring to other race car drivers, that they're just flesh and blood like me. Mm. And um, that has been really inspirational to me because – a lot of times we take the greats of, of our sports or whatever we're involved in and we put them on a pedestal yes. where we can't get there and, and we can't compare ourselves. And the reality of it is that they are just like us. We're comprised of the same components and mm-hmm. you know they've gotten themselves to a high level, but you can compete against them and and you can get yourself there too if you if you believe that you can
0: oh yeah you know what comes to mind is uh, i live up here in the pacific northwest so of course i'm a seahawks football fan right on russell wilson uh their quarterback who's such a great quarterback and he's just a nice person at least from how i view him uh, said the same thing when they were first trying to get to their first super bowl is why not us you know we can do it too we just need to work hard dedicate ourselves figure out how to get there and um yeah, definitely these, uh, these star racers that we look up to, they put their pants on just like the rest of us. It's just that they've worked really, really hard to get to where they are. And I think if everybody does that, they can achieve their goals as well. So your dad was definitely a wise man for sure. Well, you talked about, my gosh, you're 26 years old, right?
1: That is correct.
0: And you've been racing. uh when you said, you know, 20 years, I think you said, <laughs> was, and I'm like, wait a minute, how could that be? We're just a little, tiny little kid. So. I'd love for you to share a story that instigated your passion for cars. Now you kind of alluded to, you weren't quite sure when that really started, but is there a pivotal moment when you look back when you realize, you know what, I'm gonna be a race car driver?
1: Uh yeah, so I guess the way the story goes is we were driving home from church one day and uh we passed a Goodwood Kart Club in uh Ontario, Canada at the time. And we me and my older brother ended up with go-karts for Christmas. I think to my mother's dismay, but uh, <laughs> that that sort of helped build it. And I guess if you think of my automotive journey, it would be you'd have to go back two generations because my dad's family uh, has been very involved in motorsports. You know, not necessarily oval track racing. They did a lot of tractor pulling and a lot with snowmobiles and dirt bikes. And mm-hmm. what my dad had, he wanted in us and being able to grow up with a good relationship with with your father and having yeah. that kind of hands-on ability around cars. So, um, so that, that sort of started things. And then I guess for me, when I started go-kart racing, I did not really enjoy it a whole lot. It was just kind of going through the motions. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I think it was that the competition really, I really enjoyed the competition. And in the first couple of years, I developed a real desire to want to run better and to want to compete and win. Yeah. Man, I, I like, I don't have that aha moment, you know, but gosh, I have I have pieces of paper that I have filed away from when I was like eight years old and I had planned out my racing career for like 30 years. Like I'm like, when I'm 29, you know, this is what I'm going to have won. This is the series I'm going to be awesome. In. So yeah, it's been a journey, you know, but from man from such a young age, I really, really wanted to do it.
0: Well, Josh, what I want to do now is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down. You've chosen a career path that's uh, fraught with ups and downs, challenges from all ends. I'd love for you to share a huge challenge with our listeners, even a big failure that you faced along the way. But of course, the most important part of this is, what did it teach you so you could carry that lesson forward and be successful?
1: Gosh, you know, that's that's a very difficult question to answer. Not because I don't have challenges, the challenges are ongoing and I can't really pinpoint one that i really like a whole lot cuz there's so many but <laughs> yeah i have got a good friend of mine um and he refers to them as, as character building opportunities which i i really like great way to think about it right so i, I don't know man i'm i guess i have i've experienced it all i've um you know i drove i drove for one team for a while and uh crashed a car on saturday morning and uh was fired on monday morning you know oh, i've ouch I've, I've experienced it all. And I guess I guess if I had to share something for people to take away, that's actually a good story. So crashed a car on Saturday, got fired on Monday, and your initial thought is one of almost pride, like, well, why did I get fired? It wasn't my fault. Or, you know, you can try to justify it in your mind. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, the gentleman I was driving for at the time, that was his business, and he had money invested in that car. And there's a different perspective and a different look that you can approach things with and i think what you can take away from that is to have a successful program and to have a successful relationship and i think every anything you do in life communication's key and being on the same page with people is very very key i think that circumstance in particular could be could have gone drastically different if more of a conversation piece to our relationship and uh mm-hmm. And it's interesting. So, what I'm referring to, we've since mended that relationship and, and we're good friends to this day. But yeah, I think there was, there was a lesson for me to learn in pride from that for sure, because you want to walk away from things like that and think that you were wronged. And I think it's important to take a step back and say, well, hold the phone. I might feel like I'm wrong, but let me truly put myself in this other person's shoes and try and develop a perspective that they might might have.
0: Great lesson learned there. You know, I've always said that proper communication is the key to our success, and lack of proper communication is the reason for our failures. Mm-hmm. And communication is so, so important, knowing how to talk to people, knowing how to, I think the best takeaway for me from what you just said is putting yourself in someone else's shoes and really being able to have some empathy for them and understand why are they feeling the way they're feeling. That's a hard thing to do. But uh, you can only do it by listening to that other yep. person. And hopefully they're willing to talk and share the reasons they're upset with you. Great, great lesson, great story. Right. Thanks for taking us to a probably a very painful part of your career. And uh, very, not a problem. <laughs> very personal side, but it's important for those listeners out there. Let's shift gears and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share a story where you had a a career aha moment, I like to say it's when the headlights come on and kind of illuminate a new path
1: for you, a new direction.
0: Tell us the steps you took to turn that aha moment into a success.
1: Okay, so I think for me, going back to what we were talking about earlier, uh, very early on in my career when I was sort of finishing up my high school degree, I realized that in order to continue to pursue this, I needed to find a way to bring value outside of financial resources, if you will. Mm-hmm engineering gave me that opportunity. And being able to bring those two worlds together and seeing kind of a vision of the future of, of what I could develop myself to be as an engineer and a driver was something where I guess you could say a light bulb went off. And oh, yeah. I went through a period of my life, I guess about four or five years while I was pursuing that degree where all the all the distractions went, went out of the way. And all I did was live breathe sleep racing and engineering and that was it my social life was in the (laughs) toilet
0: yeah yeah. Well, sometimes you have to do that so you can really focus and, and hunker down. You know, a lot of kids go off to college and they party and they forget the real reason they're <laughs> there was to, uh, to kind of study and learn something. So I think, yeah, you, I think sure. you took the right path there, but I really find it again, like I said at the beginning of our talk, so intriguing to me that you're combining these two talents together. And, and really what it is, it goes back to your comment about the, uh, the challenge question is you're bringing more value to a team that very few people can bring. There's a lot of drivers out there that can come in and explain, okay, need more camber, the right rear tire needs more air. There's something kind of engineering-wise in the car, but they can't bring that other aspect into how you actually build the car and make the car work well. Very cool.
1: Yeah, and it's it's interesting you say that. I'm going to kind of go off on a rabbit trail here because I think it's interesting. Is, yeah. As my career started off, when I first got that engineering degree, it worked really well because I was able to bring value and I was able to race. But as I've ramped up my driving career and I've done more of that, the value that you have as an engineer at times outweighs your value as a driver. Um, And what I mean by that is when an opportunity presents itself, there's a 100 drivers holding their helmets that are ready to jump in a car, (laughs) but there's virtually no engineer that's willing to help out. So there's been moments along the way where it's, you know, I'm working on these cars and, and I'm enjoying this and I love it but am I really pushing my driving career where I need to? Am I putting my time in the right direction? So yeah. that's a challenge that I've had along the road too, of kind of juggling the two at a healthy balance.
0: Oh yeah, I would imagine so. Well, let's talk a brief moment about a proudest career moment. I would assume you've had many, again, with racing, it's ups and downs, but the wins are really proud moments, the things you do for your team to, to bring home the trophy. But is there one particular instance you could share with us?
1: Yeah, for sure. So uh, in two thousand and. Fifteen, we started, I was working with a gentleman, we started a team, and the first chunk of funding came in very, very late in the season, and basically within the period of just over a month, we we formed a team, went to Daytona with no previous owner points, and uh, for listeners out there who don't understand the logistics of that at the beginning of the year if you don't have points from the previous year you have to qualify in on speed mm. and Daytona being the first race of the year usually draws, you know, you know it could draw ten extra cars that won't Make the race if they're not fast enough we went there with a with a team that was put together in a very short period of time qualified for the race 23rd and finished 23rd and, and walked away with a really really good points day and For me, that was just a really proud moment of being able to step back and say, you know, I've always wanted to race at Daytona. That was my first time racing there. And being able to see the pieces of the puzzle come together Mm -hmm. and the sense of, I guess, gratification that I got out of all the hard work and, you know, all-nighters that I pulled to put that program together. That was a cool moment. I
0: guess so. Yeah, Daytona, what a track. I mean, holy cow, that place is magical
1: there there was too when i was man when i was on the track you're making me think of this now when <laughs> i was on the track i uh i had a moment when i'm driving around and you know you're checking your mirrors as you're going around Daytona's kind of slowish slow relative to the cars around you very quick if something bad starts happening <laughs> yeah. but uh i see this car on my outside i'm like all right okay and we're going to three and four and i look up again i'm like oh oh yeah that's, that's dale jr <laughs> and then i see daytona like the writing on the wall and i'm like Wow, this is so cool. Like when I was a kid, I dreamed of getting to race against Dale Earnhardt at Daytona, and he's on the outside of me right now. That's so cool. Oh, yeah. Uh, Hard to stay focused, I
0: would imagine, when your your brain starts to go to that place going, I'm doing it. I'm living my dream. Oh, wait, I better focus on what I'm doing here. (laughs) Another corner is coming up. Wow, what a a wonderful experience. Absolutely brilliant. Bravo and uh, congratulations for getting there as one of those uh, dream moments in your life. Well, let's have a little bit of, oh, you're welcome. Let's have a little bit of fun and go back to that first really special car you had. Now, this could be the first race car you got in or first street car, whatever. But the first car you got that was really special to you and maybe share a memory about that vehicle.
1: The first full-bodied, full-size stock car would have to be that first special car to me. It was a 1967 Nova and uh, it was sort of like a limited late model. So you're allowed some aftermarket suspension components. Mm -hmm. And um, I worked very, very hard to raise the funding to purchase that car and and to fund my year. That was a very special kind of cool car for me cuz I was I was 15 at the time and uh driving a Nova and I couldn't drive on the streets and <laughs> it was like it was just it was just pretty cool yeah. so Yeah, um, very
0: neat. You know, my first car was a 67 Chevy Nova. So No uh, way. Yeah, my first car. Yeah, this was back in the 70s, so the car was about 10 years old but uh uh uh-huh. wasn't as cool as your car. I can tell you right now. <laughs> not even <laughs> close. Not even close. How about a car that you've let go that you wish you had back in your garage? Is there a sellers or more story in there somewhere?
1: So the first stock car I bought a 1976
0: Chevy Nova. <laughs> <Definitely laughs> that would be that car.
1: Yeah, it's that car, um, huh? Yeah. Yeah i I traded that car to, and then you know made a deal to to end up getting another race car, and yeah, it was one of those things where I was like, I don't want to do this. This car is going to be so you know in, valuable to me later in life yeah. and mean so much to me but you know it was one of those sacrifices i made to push my career to the next level
0: oh yeah yeah uh, everybody has to do it so uh don't worry you're in the same boat as the rest of us now i'd like <laughs> to talk about today and tomorrow and next year what's got you really excited and fired up right now and in addition to this i'd love for you to share a little bit how did you become known as the african squirrel
1: Okay, for sure. So, obviously I grew up in I grew up in Africa. I spent uh, 13 years of my childhood there. So, uh actually I've spent more time in Africa than I have in North America. Wow. So, uh so very much, you know, almost a place to call home in some some ways, but if you met me, I think you'd understand a little bit more. I am pretty squirrely, if you can use <laughs> that word. I I uh I I tend to have my focus drawn into various things and uh, you know, I walk fast. I work quickly. And uh-huh. So that that African squirrel term was was coined from a race team that I was working for. And. It was at a moment where I, I wasn't I wasn't quite focusing on what somebody was saying because I was in the middle of something else and <laughs> called me a squirrel. And I
0: see. Well, I noticed on your emails to me, there's a little squirrel logo, which is pretty cool. Uh, yeah. I have a background in graphic design, I thought that's a kind of right a unique, that's a really cool, unique logo. Very simplistic and graphic in nature. Thank you. But tell tell us about what has you really excited about the upcoming new year here.
1: I'm really excited about the 2017 season you know i'm talking with a lot of great partners that i had over the 2016 season and this is kind of a moment of the year december and january where all the teams are sort of up in the air with what they're going to have for drivers and funding and you know drivers are going around looking for funding and talking to their existing sponsors and i just you know i feel like i have a lot of irons in the fire right now and uh, i'm really excited about that and and really motivated to put a put a package together for next year where it can be in a car on a regular basis and and hopefully uh you know a competitive car.
0: Absolutely. Well, we wish you the best of luck and we'll be watching out there to see uh how things come together. Now, here's a very introspective question for you, Josh. If you were a car, what kind of car would Josh be and why?
1: Josh would be a Volkswagen TDI Golf. <laughs> okay, very unique. Now, why that? Because I, I feel like When people ask me what I do for a living, most of the time I just say I work in racing. I don't elaborate on on anything. and I feel like a Golf is a very, you know, just standard run-of-the-mill car. Mm -hmm. I like Volkswagens. I think that there's uh, an amazing amount of German engineering that goes into them. And uh, I like TDIs. I like the idea of a diesel that can run, you know, 500,000 miles with with no real problems. Yeah,
0: I like it. Well, good. Great answer. You're the first Golf TDI I think I've had on the show, but uh, <laughs> but uh the answer makes sense for what you do, absolutely. Well, Josh, up next is the last lap, but before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thanks to today's Cars show yeah sponsors. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people, but what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. Hey, Cars yeah? I'm a huge fan of Covercraft. I've protected my vehicles with their products for decades. Want to keep your vehicle's interior looking new? It's easy with Covercraft seat covers. They'll protect your seats from the daily abuse of pets, children, weekend adventures, and even those everyday spills. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. All Covercraft seat covers are easy on, easy off design that are machine washable. You can choose from many fabric options, colors, and accessories, at Cars Yeah sent you. That's Covercraft.com. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how. At mark at CarsYeah.com or connect with me through the CarsYeah website at CarsYeah.com. All right, Josh, we are back and we're entering the last lap. You know what that means. The white flag's out. Time to put our foot into it. And I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive or racing advice you've ever received? To finish first,
1: first you must finish.
0: Ah, uh, yes. Now, who, who coined that phrase? It was a race car driver, I think.
1: Yes. It was, um, Rick Mears, I believe. Ah,
0: okay. Yes. Absolutely right. Very cool. Yeah. Definitely important to finish. So, uh, yeah. Remember that when you're uh, going around that turn three coming up on the banks and you got Earnhardt on your shoulder and you see Daytona on the side of the wall there. <laughs> Still got to finish the race. Still got to finish the race. Absolutely. Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has helped contribute to your success over the years?
1: Valuing people and never burning a bridge.
0: Ah, uh, yeah. Oh, so important. Now, how about a resource? There's lots of great resources out there today. But is there one that you could share with the Carshall listeners?
1: Uh, I am going to say your local Moms and Pops uh, repair shop. Mm. I think they are very underrated uh, in the uh, amount of knowledge and experience that those places have.
0: Oh, yeah. You know, I've got a, a friend. He's actually been a guest on the show here, Pete Bristow, who has a local repair shop for foreign cars. So nice to have somebody reliable and trustworthy to take my cars to that I just feel like they're going to take care of it. And and more importantly, they know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. When you go back in there, that your car is going to be fixed right and they really care about you and are going to look out for you. So, oh, yeah, those mom and pop local shops, support them, please. Mm -hmm. Now, how about a book? Is there a book you've read that you think our listeners would enjoy?
1: Well, not automotive related specifically, I suppose, but okay. I am a I am a huge Malcolm Gladwell fan. I'm not ah, sure yes, you Glad- know who that is. I
0: do, yes.
1: <laughs> okay. A- any anything written by him, I'm I'm a huge fan. He's got a wonderful podcast uh, called Revisionist History, and mm-hmm. any one of his books, I mean they're they're all fantastic. I love them to death. I do a lot of driving around the country, so I I listen to a lot of podcasts and audiobooks. So.
0: All right, right on. Yeah, I've enjoyed. You know, there's a couple books I really love of his blink was great the tipping point was awesome uh, there was no about a dog what the dog saw
1: that's correct yeah
0: as yep. another one that he's written
1: david and goliath
0: david and goliath the outliers yeah obviously we've shared we've read all yeah. the same books so uh right on yeah and, and the great thing about malcolm's books too is they're just quick easy reads too they're you know they're they're mm-hmm. direct and to the point great for life great for business so i'm glad you recommended uh malcolm gladwell and I'll remind our listeners, you can find links to all these great resources that Josh has shared on his very own show notes page at com slash Josh And Josh's last name is spelled R-E-A-U-M-E. And there's another great place on the Cars Yad website called Guest Recommended Books, where these books and the books from the past 663 guests are listed. There's probably over a thousand books on this reference page. Great resource if you love books, especially books recommended by fellow automotive enthusiast just like josh all right josh we are up to the checkered flag and this last question could be a bit of a doozy if you could have only one collector car or collector vintage race car in your garage don't worry about the price though because i'm going to buy you whatever you'd like today what would that vehicle be and the most important part of it of course is why
1: all right so that's actually not a doozy for me (laughs) um good the car that we had when we lived in Africa, my dad purchased a, I think it's a nineteen eighty Mercedes G-Wagon off of uh the Nigerian military. And it is just it's just a tank. And it got us through so many different situations <laughs> when we were living in Africa. Yeah. And we 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 had it shipped back across to North America. And uh I would love, if money was no object, I would love to to trick that thing out and and maybe put an LS in it and, and suit that (laughs) thing up for my dad as a gift. That would, that would just be so cool.
0: You know, I think what's really great about your answer here is not only it was a a car from your past, but you want to give it to your dad. I mean, that just tells our listeners something about who you are as a person. Talk about tanks. Yeah. Those things are (laughs) tanks. Oh my gosh. They're just, uh, Brilliant. And some luxury involved there. The G Wagon, of course, is a you know pretty darn nice car. So yeah, I don't think that'd be too much of a problem to find you one of those and uh have you uh take it to one of my many past guests who are builders who can uh you know do some cool things in there. I like the idea of an
1: LS engine. That's kinda wild. So yeah. Very well, nice. Maybe, maybe an old NASCAR motor, you know, maybe I can hook my dad oh. up. with... Yeah, or an old an old Chevy SB2 carbureted engine. You know? Ooh,
0: very even nicer. Okay, well, I'll get to work for you on that, Josh. You've taken me on an awesome ride today. Lots of fun laps around the track. I knew you would, and I've really enjoyed getting to know you better and learning more about your life around racing. I want to thank you for sharing your automotive journey with the Cars Yacht listeners. Could you offer us one parting piece of guidance before you head off over the sand dunes in that Mercedes G-Wagon?
1: Right on, Yeah. I think in my life I've I've uh, run into two types of people and I've run into people who feel like they've accomplished their dreams uh or have contentment in in what they've done in life and then people who are just bitter about their dreams and mm. and where their life's taken them and I guess I would just really love to encourage your um listeners to um pursue their dreams even if it's a small small step um in the right direction that the sense of accomplishment and the gratification that you get along the way of knowing that you're building towards something that you're really passionate about is second to none. So um, I just encourage people to, you know, take a little bit of a risk. And even if it's a baby step, go for it.
0: Words of wisdom from a young man. So, uh, yeah, brilliant, brilliant suggestion there. Well worth heeding. What's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and your racing team?
1: You can visit my website, joshrealm.com or Twitter, Facebook, Instagram uh josh rayome my last name spelt r-e-a-u-m-e and uh jump in on the conversation and uh hopefully we'll have lots of exciting announcements here uh in the next couple of weeks about uh, what our goals and plans are for the 2017 season
0: awesome can't wait to hear about that well again listeners you can find links and follow josh on his show notes page at carsyad.com just type josh in the search bar and that page will pop up and then you can go there and find links to uh all of his social feeds, his website, you can follow along, watch what he's doing with his career. I'd encourage you to uh, pay attention to this young man. He is already going places and uh, already gone places, and he's going places too. Josh, thanks for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your incredible life's journey with me and the Show listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road.
1: Thank you, Mark. We'll see you.
0: You're welcome.